It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The combine has finished and there are some rumors going on. We're going to talk about those rumors. We're going to talk about some of the interesting things that came out of the combine in terms of player performances because, well, that's the most interesting thing about the combine. We got through our scandal with Joe Burrow and everyone you notice stopped talking about it. They had their interview. The word got out. Yeah, the Bengals are taking Andy Dalton and Joe Burrow's going to play there. And suddenly, for the last four days, I haven't heard a peep. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And maybe even telling a little bit of the national media that the, the switch was so concise across the entire platform to go to, well, should the Redskins take Tua at number two? Or maybe Tua is the better quarterback of the two. And I was just like, geez, man, this is so quick and such a such a uniform move or pivot I should say by the media to talk about Tua and man an injured player like like Tua going to the Redskins that doesn't sound like a terrible idea to you because it does to me I'm surprised that's not the narrative but maybe we'll get there maybe we're just you know at the the beginning of the cycle for them yeah you got to fill time between now and the draft there's also a report from the Miami something newspaper I don't remember I'm sorry Miami Sun Herald I think Miami Sun Herald Justin Herbert apparently might be the guy for Miami, much to the chagrin of Dolphins fans who aren't listening to this podcast, so they will not be angry at my Twitter mentions. But they said that Tua came out of that meeting thinking, maybe they don't want me. Maybe they want Justin Herbert. But Tua, apparently, and surprisingly to me personally, really wants to go to Miami, apparently. I, I don't get that. I think it's just been a um, you know a long arranged marriage now for over a year since we realized the Dolphins were tanking and trying to get into that position. Uh, but I also think this is part of the game, right? The Redskins may say, and it was the, their their new coach, Ron Rivera, telling Tua, hey, we like you. you w- you'd probably come in and compete with Dwayne Haskins, who we're not sure is the guy. I mean, telling this straight up to Tua, and that Tua's telling people. So Tua's talking out there, isn't he? But uh, that the Redskins would do that, and then the Dolphins will say, well, we like Justin Herbert anyway. And they'd let that be okay and let that be, you know, the idea that even if they're showing that to Tua, because if they're in any type of negotiation or any type of um, standoff here, you each has to, you know, save something in their back pocket, which would be for the Dolphins, that we're okay if we don't have to give up all three of our first round picks. We like Justin Herbert just as well. As they say, it's lying season. Speaking of lying, there's some rumors to talk about, and these we think... There's some actual legs, too, so let's get into it. 
the Bengals have been in talks or at least been in touch on the subject of Andy Dalton in a trade. This is via Paul Denner Jr. of The Athletic. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that the New England Patriots could be interested and the Indianapolis Colts have also jumped in showing interest in Andy Dalton. That's now three teams. I've heard the Buccaneers could be interested. If it's up to four teams already, the other rumor or report was that the Bengals could get as high as a number two pick, a second round pick. I think as more teams get involved, that becomes a reality. And I think we're sitting here at that point saying, okay, this is best case scenario. Which team can offer the best pick and how quickly can we move Andy Dalton? Is this going to happen now with just a couple of weeks left until the new league year begins on March 18th? And listening to Ian Rappaport's report on NFL Network, it sounds like this is going to be a timing question for the Bengals, and that is what will be very interesting. Because as Joe points out, the new league year is March 18th, just a few weeks away. If the Bengals are forced to hold on to him until closer to the draft or even after the draft, that would not be good news for their free agency pursuits. And obviously they would lose out on draft capital if they can't get anything done prior to the draft. For the 2020 year, they might get future capital in return or even a player back. But as Joe says, if there are four teams involved, that is certainly only good news for the Bengals as they try to recoup some value for their, what, 10-year starting quarterback at this point? Yeah, and it's gone quickly. Uh, On the other side, their 10-year wide receiver, A.J. Green, the national media has finally caught up that he will be franchise tagged this offseason. The Bengals won't risk losing him at all. I still think they'll work towards a long-term deal. But this is something I think we've known for a long time. It's ever since it was about mid-November, December, when A.J. Green was talking about possibly shutting it down last season, he talked about the option of being, or the potential to be franchise tagged this following year, as it seems very clear. If he didn't play, if they, if the Bengals weren't sure if he'd ever be healthy, tagging seems like the way to go because it's hard to give him a long-term deal when he hasn't shown he can get back on the field. Yeah, local Cincinnati media has been reporting that the Bengals are committed to using the franchise tag on A.J. Green for several months now. He's been answering questions about whether he'd play under the franchise tag since the season. So it goes back to December, I think, when he was working on getting back toward the end of the year. They have until June after franchising him to work out a new deal, depending on the terms of the new CBA. As it is today, that gives them about three months to figure something out and free agency opening in just a couple weeks with reports today about Jack Conklin, the Tennessee tackle. First, he was definitely going to be a jet. Then he was not going to be a jet anymore in the course of a few hours. And I don't know where these reports are coming from because the legal tampering period doesn't even open for a couple weeks, but Joe Mixon is allowed to talk to free agents on Twitter. And he tagged Joe Schobert in a tweet after Mary Kay Cabot reported that he would not be likely back in Cleveland due to his price tag, saying that he would be welcome in Cincinnati. Schobert replied in kind, saying that his friend, Alex Erickson, they spent time together, of course, at Wisconsin, would be glad to have him in Cincinnati. He's rumored to get a $10 million price tag, and if the Bengals are willing to spend $10 million on a linebacker, that could be a sign that things are changing as the Bengals look to rebuild their defense in this 2020 offseason. But it's not Free Agency Friday, it's Mock Draft Monday. We're going to take a look at Trevor Sikama's Mock Draft over on the Draft Network. Three rounds post-combine with guys moving around dramatically based on their athletic testing. And then I've put together a scenario. So we're going to look at two different scenarios of what could be available to the Bengals at the top of round two, the top of round three. And we'll see how the combine is shaking things up. No more drafting six day one, day two players in the first six rounds in these draft simulators. 
Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe, we've talked about it before, you're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there, go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona, take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's Mock Draft Monday, and to set the table of a post-combine mock draft and what to expect, Trevor Sikama over at the Draft Network did his first round. He actually has three rounds, but for the idea here, we're going to look at his first round to see what went a little bit differently at the end, especially in the late 20s, to set the table for what to expect at 33 for the Bengals. And then when we get to our own mock draft, we're going to do the same thing, is we're going to set the table and show you what happened a little bit differently We'll discuss 33, the new options, the new scenarios, and we'll do the same when we get into the third round. Yeah, so let's recap some surprises in the first round. Makai Becton goes number six overall as he had an incredibly athletic combine for a 364-pound man. Any dreams of him falling into the second round, I think, are long gone at this point. Also, very surprising here, doesn't impact the Bengals at all. Tua Tagovailoa going all the way at 13. As Trevor Sikama is talking about those Miami Dolphins rumors I was saying earlier, where they might be more in on Justin Herbert at this point. But Tua, even in his floor case, I can't imagine, gets out of the top 15, and I agree with Trevor there. Then we have Andrew Thomas at 14, so any hope of Andrew Thomas falling out of the first round might be overstated. He had a good enough time in Indianapolis. And then Jerry Judy falls all the way to 15 after he did not have a very good combine. You know what? I think Judy is going to be a lot like Amari Cooper. And Cooper still went top five, but where they're going to be put into the slot a lot. And one of the top comparables that came back for him um, was Adam Thielen, who plays a lot of the slot for the Vikings. And I think that's a very fair comparable. Thielen's a very good receiver. But if that affects him, and it does, 40-time affects receivers more than anything for draft positioning, um, seeing him go that late doesn't surprise me. And it wasn't just his 40 either is a thing that, that's got to be a little bit troubling for Judy in his camp. He has, of course, the pro day to, to set things right because he doesn't look unathletic on tape. 
His feet no. look incredible. He creates a ton of separation and he runs away from guys. So it'll be very interesting for me to see the difference for him on his pro day. And also while we're on the topic of guys that we're looking for a bounce back pro day kind of thing, just want to mention Cameron Dantzler here. He ran like a four, six, five 40. And if that doesn't get down to at least, I would say a four five, he's not really in the conversation anymore. Whereas previously I was happy to consider him at 33 but let's keep moving through this first round. Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen go back to back 19 and 20. There's your mini run on the only first round linebackers, most likely outside of Isaiah Simmons, if you still consider him a linebacker. Josh Jones, Justin Jefferson, now first rounders, according to Trevor Sikama, solidly in the first round. Jalen Rager, Jeff Gladney, Cesar Ruiz, Zach Bond, all guys that we would have been happy to target. Maybe except Cesar Ruiz, although honestly, you got to kind of consider it, I think. Gone in the first round in this scenario. Then we get to the end of the first round. And Denzel Mims, this is the heartbreaker for me, is now solidly in the first round, going 30 to the Packers. And there are enough wide receiver needy teams that Denzel Mims tested great. He had a great senior bowl. He's he's If he's there at the top of two, that's the only time you might have a chance to take him. Yeah, I think we're both disappointed in that. We're happy, right, because he looked good. He's a guy we wanted, we targeted, we talked about him every time we got into the third, fourth round because that's where he was slated to go, and he just lit it up. And I think the route running is there for him, the body catch or body control, hands catching, high pointing. Um, it Now he tests like a, a number one wide receiver. He's a first-round guy completely. He had all of that. He checks every box now at this point. And the Bengals wide receiver coach was his – coach at Baylor, what, three years ago? So that's something I would have uh, been interested to see, a, a reunion at pick 33. But seems like it may not happen, but maybe now it's a, at least if he is there, we'll be part of the, the discussion. I didn't think it would be before this. And over the weekend, too, Matt Miller of Bleacher Report did have a report that the Bengals will consider or at least target um, a wide receiver with that number 33 pick overall. So maybe Dante Mims is still on the table for us. That, for me, is a real believe it when I see it. And I'm sure somebody told Matt Miller or he heard that the Bengals were interested in wide receivers in this draft. But we've been hearing from sources much closer to the team for the last two months. They're going to go defense in the top of that second round. Whoever the best defensive player available is, they need help on all three levels of the defense. And that's been drilled into our heads. I'm not saying that they won't go after a receiver. And if it is Mims, I'm going to be happy about it because I really like Denzel Mims as a prospect. But I just, I'll I'll believe it when I see it, right? We'll have to Mm -hmm. see who's still there. I think that the interesting thing here is that a lot of those guys we've, we've previously talked, oh, we'll be able to get a receiver later because there's so many receivers. They've really differentiated themselves in this combine process, as we said, they would, right. We said the combine was going to yep. shake everything up for linebackers, which it has. And for receivers, which it has like LaVisca, LaVisca Chenault runs really poorly. He he has another chance to his day. So does Jalen Rager. Both of those guys are, are kind of in a bit of a tumultuous state in terms of draft stock right now. Right. They were talking about maybe going in the twenties and now we should expect them to be there in round two. Um, unless they come out of their pro day and tear it up, which definitely happens all the time. So um, I think the biggest follower out of here as we click to round two in Trevor Sycamore's mock draft is AJ Epinesa, the defensive end from Iowa. And he, a lot of people have asked me over the last 24 hours, if he's there at 33, is he not the slam dunk pick? And 
maybe. Um, you know, the, it, this is going to not just fall on some team bo- boards. It's probably going to be a fall for every team's board as they say, okay, maybe he's not the elite edge guy we thought he is. Maybe instead he is a five tech that's going to kick inside and rush from the de- defensive tackle spot. And I think the Bengals would like a five tech like that. I think if as they go to a more three four defense, Epinesa could be an option for them um, as a guy who is um, just your base. Five tech, which is a D end and a three four defense, and a D tackle to rush next to Atkins. I think that's where Epinesa wins, anyways. So you could have value, and he could be high on their board when they if he's there at thirty three. I think you worry a little bit, even even in that role, about him being undersized to do that. And if he has to put on more weight, he's already compromised as an athlete. I mean, that would be the fit, right? He was mm-hmm. very productive at Iowa. He's he's. Actually, if you if you compare him to other defensive linemen and not just defensive ends, he comes out with an, an elite RAS because all of his lackluster times, agility, explosion, even the 40, all those things that were not very good for an edge rusher turn into pretty good scores for just a general defensive lineman. But then his weight goes from being pretty good to less than first, you know, less than 10th percentile. Right. So you'd like to get him at 285 at least as, for a five tech and a guy that kicks inside at 6'5. That makes him pretty lean, right? Even at 300 pounds at 6'5, you can be pretty lean. So he's got room to grow if that is his role. And uh, being a young guy declaring early, I think you could definitely put that weight on him. So in Trevor's mock over on the draft network that we're talking about here, he has the Bengals taking Lucas Niang at 33. He did not really participate at the combine outside of weigh-in. So he has the Bengals saying, you know what? We've got a rookie quarterback here. We had a bad offensive line last year. We're just going to pick more offensive linemen in Lucas Niang. And I, at this point, if it's not one of those guys that we talked about going in the first round that somehow falls to, to 33, the second round offensive tackles do not excite me enough to pull the trigger there. Austin Jackson, Lucas Niang. Is there even another tackle that Trevor Ooh. has in the second round? Prince Tego, Bonogo. At least Jackson tested well. Sure. But is a tackle really moving the needle for you in the second round right now? No, because I don't like the second round tackle class. Like I love the way those guys tested in the first round guys, yeah. the you know, the four or five of them that are gonna go there. I love the way t- they tested. Those teams are gonna be excited as they're all gone in the top fifteen. And, but and I, unfortunately one of those is gonna be the Browns. They're gonna get right. they're gonna get Jedrick Wills or Mackay Becton or Tristan Wirfs. I mean Wirfs is should go now, top five, right? He should be uh, it should be Okuda, Wirfs, Tua, Burrow, and Young. I mean, I can't see how there's five Anyone cracking that top Herbert. five, and I guess, right. That's the thing that does it, right, quarterbacks. Isaiah Simmons. <laughs> sure, you're right. Six. There's six elite guys in this. Worfs had an incredible combine. I mean, that's Tyron Smith stuff. That's, that's like, I plug him at beaters. left tackle, and I don't worry about that spot forever. Yeah. So so I'm hoping that somebody pulls the trigger on Tristan Worfs before 10. But even if they do, right, you're, you're getting – I mean, we're not even talking about Andrew Thomas. Right, I know. Who, who could still go ahead of all these guys because he was better on tape than Mackay Becton was for, for most people, I think. But the Bengals, in the second round, the other choices here, the other guys that go in this proximity, Neville Gallimore, who is a guy that is very intriguing despite his lack of agility testing for me in the top of the second round. And I hope that he does the agility testing again at Oklahoma's Pro Day because it doesn't show on tape. 
the the change right. of direction doesn't look bad on tape and and it was very surprising to me also aj epinesa who joe talked about going 35 to the browns yetter gross Mat- matos at 37 trayvon diggs 38 and then going down the list here a little bit for guys we've talked about in the past grant delpit 41 jalen johnson 42 Josh Uchi, 49 i mean yeah it, it gets a lot thinner when when you adjust for the guys going where they're where they're more likely to go because we dropped out maybe 10 guys who, who tested poorly or at least had concerns and you know you move up a handful of others and maybe that's 10 maybe it's that's the exact swap so 10 guys we liked plus tested well you know there's guys in rounds two and three that we've been targeting now that they test well it's like well gee that's it we liked them now they're checking the last box there's no chance we're going to get them or you do to get them at 33 because that is the advantage of having that first mm-hmm. pick in round two mm-hmm so, so what would you do in this spot, Joe? For me, I think it, it would be Neville Gallimore at this point. And, and this is pending his pro day. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think there's an argument for Grant Delpit. But, the, uh, I mean, it's the same concerns. Uh, somebody, somebody was quoted, and I wish I could remember who. The same concerns for Greedy Williams come up for, for Grant Delpit. Mm-hmm. Although it was also pointed out to me on Twitter by a source that I can't remember that for all his tackling issues early in the year, he didn't miss a tackle in the SEC championship game or college football playoff. Well, he said he fixed it. It was an injury issue that he was dealing with, and once it got fixed halfway through the year, he, he was all right. He said this, I believe, at the at the podium. So, um, I if it's sorry, if a team believes that, then he's probably a first round going player. higher. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I would have to lean towards Epinesa. I think really? on tape, yeah, because I I think I, and I don't think D end is the big need, but I think five tech and a guy that can kick inside is a need. And looking at it in the future. Uh, it would allow the Bengals to play more three-four stuff now because if you think of Billings walks and they go with Tupo as the nose, Atkins kind of as a you know five-tech kick inside a little bit more than that. Maybe he's a shade inside, and then Epinesa is actually a five-tech on that strong side. Well, then you know you've got your your D line, and I think they were a little short last year uh, on length and height when they had Billings, Geno, and then Tupo out there. I think uh, Epinesa would give them that length and give them some DN depth at a premium position. So I'm not against that at all. I, I still think he, to me, reminds me a bit of a, of a um, Cameron Jordan for the Saints, where I think he can play end, and he's also going to play some D-tackle, and he's going to win in all phases. And I'm skeptical here of A.J. Epinesa after he tested poorly, but PFF has him graded really well two seasons in a row. They do have... Uh, snap counts by position and while he played an overwhelming majority of his snaps at Iowa outside the tackle at a true defensive end position he did play some of that five tech that three four defensive end position that Joe's talking about and he played a little bit at three tech so he has about a total of 90 snaps in inside in that role that he would have to play for the Bengals but do you trust him outside I don't know Right, in the comparison, they gave him as Trey Flowers, which I think is interesting because Flowers kicks inside also, and that's where he won for the Patriots. That's where he does for the Lions also. So really quick, let's get to that third round. Sycamore has the Bengals taking T. Higgins at the top of the third round, and if you can get T. Higgins in the top of the third round, I think you're probably pretty happy about that. But just to tell you who you're missing then, if you only have one third-round pick, because all these guys are gone before you're back on the clock at four, Chase Claypool, who's huge and also ran a four four five, Willie Gay, who was maybe the second most athletic or third most athletic linebacker at the combine. You're missing on 
Ben Bartsch, the St. John's offensive tackle that we liked at the Senior Bowl. Kyle Duggar, the immensely athletic, another senior goal, senior bowl guy from Lenore Rhine, small school. Akeem Davis Gaither, you all know him by now, linebacker from Appalachian State. Going through the list here a little bit deeper. Ashton Davis, safety from California. If he's there in the third round, you're you're happy with that. Julian Aquara, who I cannot actually imagine is in the third round. You're missing on him as, as well. And instead, you picked AJ Epinesa around earlier. Instead of, I don't know, maybe somebody. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, Malik Harrison, also gone linebacker from Ohio State, who tested great. Jordan Brooks ran really fast. Linebacker, Texas Tech. Troy Pride. Bengals met with him in Indianapolis. He's gone. Khalil Davis had a really good combine. Interior defensive lineman from Nebraska, who could be a game wrecker. Van Jefferson. Michael Pittman, a wide receiver. Jeremy Chen, also gone. So just... The third round, that's a lot of guys we like. Yeah, that's a lot of them. That's going to – now I can just imagine the board. I'd I'd rather visualize it, but imagining the board now for the fourth round, and it's – it drops off a little bit then, I'd assume. But we are going to do that ourselves and check out who's there in the third round when we do our own mock draft. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So we're going to go through the same scenario here with a little mock draft that I set up for us to talk through. And this is going to be kind of a difficult case scenario, in my opinion, for the Bengals. Although, if you really like a guy like Ross Blacklock, well, maybe this is just fine for you. But in this particular scenario, Denzel Mims is gone, of course, as is both linebackers. Six corners go in the first round in this scenario. AJ Epinesa is drafted late in the first round. Yatur Gross Matos is gone. Neville Gallimore is gone. So when you come on the clock and you're the Bengals, it's 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 tough. The the next there's some wide receivers still there. If you want a T. Higgins or a Jalen Rager or a Donovan Peoples Jones, if you wanted to go interior defensive line, you have Justin Matabuke and Ross Blacklock. If you wanted to go interior offensive line, a lot of people really like Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. Or Lloyd Cushenberry is still there. Cesar Ruiz from Michigan is still there. There's some edge guys in Julian Aquara, Terrell Lewis. There's Antoine Winfield if you want to go safety. Joe, what would you be looking at here? This is tough. This is really, really tough. Winfield tested well. I mean, you know, some people said maybe he's not the athlete um, because he's got the ball skills. Really, the only thing left for him now is past injuries where he uh, just missed too much time. Uh, For me, I think it's tough. You see the... Receiver run, I'm not really happy with a lot of them at this point. I'd still take Jalen Rager. I don't care. Uh, His testing was fast enough. I wanted it to be explosive, but it wasn't. I don't know where I go here, to be honest with you. I think we're looking at a situation where uh, do you like Matabuke that much? I I still want to go back to the tape. He's a guy I saw flashes of. I saw people uh, post a lot of clips of him being a penetrating defensive tackle. So in this scenario, is that where you go? I think the one area where I think the value is still going to be there in round two is at corner. And I think 
it could be like AJ Terrell in this situation from Clemson, and he tested really well. He should push himself back up to the top of round two, and I think the Bengals want to go defense at 33, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think that that is certainly a name you could look at here. A cornerback, if it's Damon Arnett, who's still available in this scenario, or if it's A.J. Terrell with A.J. Terrell testing really well. If they wanted a bigger guy who's going to be physical at the line of scrimmage, you go Damon Arnett. But it's it's hard. This is the scenario that it does get very difficult for the Bengals. You, you can't easily find a surefire thing that's going to come in and play right away. You could go Antron Winfield, and we've done that in the second round before, and he tested well enough to justify it. But this is a scenario that I think is challenging for the Bengals. And then I just played through this whole round. So we talked about the options there, right? You could go Jalen Rager. You could go A.J. Terrell. You could go Antoine Winfield. You could take one of these interior defensive linemen. So there's still good players here. But the second round looking a little bit less appetizing, perhaps, than it did before the combine. Then we get to the third round. Willie Gay has just been picked. Joshua Uchi's been picked. A bunch of receivers are gone. Let's look at the board and see where we would go at this point. Because for me, it's, it's probably Malik Harrison at the top of the third round if he's available. Ohio State linebacker who tested absolutely great. Oh, had yeah. an interception in Senior Bowl practice. Had an interception in the Senior Bowl game. There's another couple of clips on Twitter you can go find of him dropping into coverage really nicely. Obviously have to go do some more work on him. But with the way he tested athletically, if he can wrap his brain around it, he's going to be a good NFL player. Yeah, and if you're on Twitter, type in the player's name. So type in Malik Harrison in the search function, go over to video, and you will get a lot of people that have posted the clips of that player, whoever, whichever player it is. So I suggest doing that if you're not familiar, if you don't feel like going to YouTube or anywhere else where you can find tape and, uh, and watching the whole cut-up of somebody. If you just want to get a feeling for them real quick, that's a great way to do it because there's going to be clips of everyone. I think Harrison is a great um, target for 65 for the Bengals. Being that big, and he's one of the biggest linebackers, plus he tested really well, that's really good, I mean, combination you want in round three. But you have to ask, why is he going in round three if he has both of that? And when I think when you watch him on tape, um, there's just so many other players on the Ohio State defense making plays that Harrison doesn't just get to enough. If you want to use the analytics part of it, too, with the uh, solo tackle market share and the production scores, they're going to be low for him. And when you watch the tape, he doesn't make a lot of impact plays. And then having the production score be what it is, it suggests he's going to be just a role player for you, a, a part of your defense. But I guess that's what you're getting in round three. So I'm okay with that. That means our hopes are probably still pinned on Jermaine Pratt being the, the alpha linebacker for the Bengals. At least for the first six, seven games, right? Because this is what Jermaine Pratt was. Jermaine Pratt was mm-hmm. a third-round pick. And now we're talking about him a year later as – the only remaining linebacker on the Bengals before free agency. So say they sign a Joe Schobert, maybe at that point you, you don't go linebacker here. And then we're looking at, you know, Jalen Johnson from, from U- Utah, still some good cornerbacks available in this scenario. Still some tackles too. And maybe that's what I've done unrealistically in getting to this point. Guys like Prince Tegawanogo is still available. I didn't draft enough quarterbacks early. So somebody else would have fallen in this scenario, Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm, both still on the board. Jalen Hurts still on the board. All those guys could easily be second-round picks. So maybe somebody else falls here. I just wanted to make it hard on us, right? Yeah. You... Yeah, I think this is definitely the hard scenario of where if I'm there at six, at 33, I want to trade back. Like, that's the scenario where there isn't a clear first-round graded guy. 
and I want to move back, um, which I'm fine with, because if I move back 10 spots and get Neville Gallimore, or no, he's gone in your scenario, Blacklock, then I'm okay with that, or Matabook. Uh, so, yeah, though, that's the scenario for me at 33. I think at 65, though, you could start to say, who's there at receiver? Because um, would you be okay with Michael Pittman? Because he tested really well. Would you be okay uh, at corner with, I think there's still a lot of quality players there. Yeah, so Michael Pittman's still there, receiver along with Van Jefferson, Brian Edwards from South Carolina, Devin Duvernay, uh, KJ Hill didn't test great. I don't think that he's really an, an option in the third round, but right. uh, let's look at corner real quick. Jalen Johnson, Bryce Hall, Troy Pride. This is certainly Troy Pride territory. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think he's currently 94 on uh, the Draft Network's big board, but I think he's going to be up in the 70s pretty quick here. Where else are we looking? We talked about linebackers. Malik Harrison, Troy Dye, uh, Jordan Jordan Brooks, Brooks. Akeem Davis-Gaither, and then the Wyoming kid tested great. I don't even know where he is on this board. And then Evan Evan Weaver. Also, I, it may be high for him in round three, but round four makes sense at linebacker because um, high production scores tested to at least show that he's a average athlete. And then at, he had a good senior bowl. So uh, I think he's going to be in the discussion if you're still there at round four and you don't have a linebacker. But also if he's there, because look, linebacker was weird last year, but there's guys in round five that we were still interested in. If he's somebody there that's still there in five, and the Bengals need to double up at linebacker, that's someone I'd like to take a shot on. Yeah. So the whole point of this exercise is to show you guys who have been doing these mock draft simulators. When you actually pick for every team and you don't let the computer take players that you're not interested in, and that'll happen to some extent in the NFL draft for sure. Guys will go that you Mm. don't really have a high level of interest in before the Bengals pick. Oh, yeah. There will be guys that fall because the NFL is going to have different boards than we do, but it, you, you will not get six day, one day, two players in the real world that, I mean, maybe, maybe one team will right. Get six guys who you had on your top 100, yeah. but it, yeah. it's not common. No, it's not. And uh, we should mention when we mentioned pride there, the Bengals did meet with Troy pride. Uh, we'll go over that list tomorrow's show. Uh, has probably more, a few more will come out. But, uh, yeah, I think that's in the range of where he'll probably go. Natana Moody also in that range, who also they met with. So, I mean, just some options there for the top of round three. Yep. There there will be guys. The yep. Bengals are picking at the top of every round. There will be good options there, but they might just not be quite as good as we might hope. Or maybe they will be, because that seems to happen a lot, too. So maybe we'll have an easier mock draft Monday next week. But for now, this has been Hard Mode Mock Draft Monday post-Combine edition. Tomorrow we'll be back with more news and updates coming out of the Combine, including, like Joe said, who the Bengals met with in Indianapolis. Does the meeting with Tua Tungo Viola mean the Bengals are going to trade out of... Never mind, I can't even finish that sentence. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. 